0: Lots of irregularities going on in the vote count in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona. We'll go through a number of them on the show, but you remember even starting on election night, certain key counties would just stop counting. Some of them have stopped counting for days at a time, all extremely suspect. But the main charge right now against Democrats among people who think maybe there are some problems with this vote count, the main charge is that Democrats are stuffing ballot boxes. And even Though we're talking about a lot of new things that have never happened in elections before. Stuffing ballot boxes is an American tradition that goes back to the earliest days of our republic. In fact, a, a, a sitting president, Democratic president, once taught a future Democratic president how to do it and how to prevent it. We'll get into all of it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back. My favorite comment from yesterday is from God So Loved, who says, pollsters, like the news media, are just another propaganda arm of the Democrats. This is true, but it's not true exactly in the way that people might think. The pollsters got this election completely wrong. There is no reason to listen to these pollsters anymore. But pollsters have gotten other elections right. And I'm not saying they're awful, terrible people or anything. I'm not even saying they set out to lie. Maybe some of them do, but, but others don't. The reason that the polls are wrong, the reason that the polls are part of the same propaganda wing as, as the Democrats is because they're part of the whole progressive system. When progressivism rose up about a century, a little more than a century ago now, I guess, it rose up with the modern university and the social sciences and public opinion polling and statistics, statistics itself referring to the state meaning matters of the state, referring to the modern state, the administrative state, the progressive state. All of these things are part of the same system. And so when the system is working very well, they all kind of work well together. But when that system stops reflecting reality, when that system st- starts to break down, then the polling starts to break down too. And I, I think we are seeing that system begin to crumble. This election is in many ways an attack. A, 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 that system, that establishment striking back, trying to preserve itself after Donald Trump swung a sledgehammer into it. And that might, might prevail Joe Biden, who is the system. He is just the, the face, the avatar of the system. He, he may prevail for a while. I don't know, maybe for a a long while, but he may not. And I'm very glad that uh, President Trump is fighting back about that. There is so much talk going on. There was so much chatter about what's happening in in the individual states and in the individual precincts. And if you want to talk very well, especially to your friends in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, you got to get Pure Talk USA. What if there were a company that gave you an amazing deal every single day? That is what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran run wireless company. Think uh, AT&T, but much, much better. Uh, This company understands what it means to serve. If you're using Verizon, ATT, T-Mobile, you are overpaying for, for your service. You could get the same coverage for much less. Now I know you think that I'm saying you could get similar coverage for much less. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you could get the exact same coverage for much, much less. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. All you need, unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, They don't charge you. They do not charge you. Switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you will make today. Grab your phone and you get to keep your number, or you can get great deals on the latest iPhones and Android. Head on over there right now to Pure Talk USA. Grab your phone, dial pound 250, say Michael Knowles. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-K-N-O-W-L-E-S. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say keyword Michael Knowles. Pure Talk is simply smarter, wireless. I was reminded of this story, Uh, not a lot of people remember it, that's in one of uh, former President Lyndon Johnson's biographies. Lyndon Johnson was a crook. This guy had been stealing elections since college. He would steal student government elections. Then when he was a staffer on the Hill, there was a, a club called the Little Congress. This was for congressional staffers. They they elected a president every year. He stole that election too. This is a meaningless club. Other staffers on the Hill said, "Could you believe somebody would steal the presidency of the little Congress?" This guy was a crook. Then in 1941, Lyndon Johnson runs for Senate. He's running against Coke Stevenson in the Democratic primary in Texas. Whoever wins the primary is going to go on, and or no, I'm sorry. This was actually he ran against Coke Stevenson about seven years later. This is 1941. He's running for Senate, and he loses. He loses the 1941 race because the other guy stuffed the ballot box. So he was uh, friends with Franklin Roosevelt, who was then the president of the United States. And Roosevelt was a a sort of patron of Lyndon Johnson. And and Roosevelt asked to speak to him. And the two men talked about the race. And uh, Franklin Roosevelt said, Lyndon, apparently you Texans haven't learned one of the first things we learned up in New York State. And that is that when the election is over, you have to sit on the ballot boxes. Now, what FDR is saying to Lyndon Johnson is not necessarily corrupt. He's not saying you got to stuff the ballot boxes, but he's saying whatever happens to the ballot box, once the election is over, you got to sit on them so that your opponent can't stuff that ballot box, so that no illegal votes can get in. This is 1941. And then then in the Senate race uh, between Lyndon Johnson and Koch-Stevenson in 1948, Johnson did stuff that ballot box with 202 illegal votes. Uh, This went all the way up to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court refused to get involved here. This was a race of one million people. Lyndon Johnson won it by 87 votes. And 202 of those votes, we now know with certainty, were fraudulent in that race. All of that is to say, if somebody is going to call you a lunatic or a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, because you raise the possibility, given a fair bit of evidence that there are irregularities in voting particularly with inflated numbers, you should laugh in their face. This has gone on a long time in this country. Two Democratic presidents joked about it with one another. And a trick here is that you got to sit on the ballot box. It's not just about turning out your guys to vote. I, I know the Trump campaign did a great job in get out the vote. If, pe- if the Trump supporters show up to vote, then you're going to win. You've also got to sit on the ballot box. And what, what happened on election night was that, multiple crucial counties in the country just stopped counting. Why? I don't know. I don't know. We're getting reports in that in certain places, and this wouldn't be enough to swing the election, but it would be enough to change the vote count if it happened in multiple places. Votes are being reported off by an order of magnitude when people are reporting them. So they've been fixed in some places. How many places have they not been fixed? We know in Georgia, there's illegal ballots going on a Republican poll observer in Georgia saw 53 late absentee ballots illegally added to a stack of on-time absentee ballots in Chatham County. And the Republican official says that we will not allow Democrat officials to steal this election from Trump with late illegal ballots. It depends on the state, but in certain states like Georgia, if the ballot comes in late, it cannot count. Now what the Democrats will say is we want every vote to count. That's the Joe Biden campaign. We need every vote to count. And they, they make, something of an argument, right? It's a heartstrings argument to say every vote in America, every voice has to count. But there are rules to elections. If I go vote right now, well, especially if I go vote because I'm a Republican, then my vote won't count. But it, of course it shouldn't count. If you are voting days after the election, your vote should not count. But that was the, the thought process here among Democratic officials. I guarantee I bet the farm on it. If you delay the count, more votes can come in. And that's what Republican poll watchers are seeing happen in Georgia another irregularity that's going on uh, you saw this in Wisconsin is a major major voter surge so voter turnout with 98 percent of precincts reporting shows that nearly nine out of ten registered voters cast ballots 89 percent of Wisconsin voters cast ballots now Wisconsin does have same-day registration but we don't have the same day registration numbers so we don't know how how That number is. And I can just tell you as a matter of elections, 89% is an implausible voter turnout number. That does not happen. It's usually closer to around 60%. Maybe, maybe you can tick up higher. Sometimes it's even lower than that. Now we're we're trying to pretend it's 89%. That is statistically impossible. Now with same day voter registration, maybe the numbers, I don't know, 77, 78%, that is still implausible very difficult to believe. Think about this. President Trump got something like 5 million extra votes this year than he did in 2016. That doesn't happen in re-election years. Barack Obama got millions fewer votes in 2012 than he did in 2008. President Trump got something like 5 million more votes and it's still not enough. Very difficult to believe that. I suppose it could be true, but it's very difficult to believe that. Now, speaking of the poll watchers, at every election, this is why we have election day, by the way, and why voting before election day is not legitimate in, in very narrow circumstances. If you can't leave, if you have an absentee ballot, perhaps exceptions prove rules, but election day exists for a reason because people try to commit fraud. And in Michigan, the poll watchers are not even being given access to the count. So the reason that both campaigns have poll watchers to make sure people aren't cheating in, in in certain parts of Michigan, the Trump campaign poll watchers can't even get in. What's going on there? Very difficult for me to believe that that's a fair count if they're not letting them in. In other places in this country, you saw election officials putting boards up on windows so that the public could not look in and see the vote count. What's going on there? I I point to these individual irregularities because one of them, if it were just one in isolation, that would not be enough to say there's something illegitimate going on. But when you add them all up, we can only touch on a handful on this show. When you add them all up, you have to start wondering what is going on here? How about skewed election results in Michigan? Also in Michigan, Michigan, crucial state that was going heavily for Trump. Then you know, you wait a few days and I don't know something's changing. Now it's more of a Democrat state. The Antrim County clerk, Cheryl Guy, became aware of skewed results in the unofficial election result tabulations. So early morning, this is yesterday, early morning unofficial results showed single digit returns in the presidential race for Donald Trump in townships, including Chestonia, Echo, Helena, and Torch Lake with 65 to 80% reporting. So you're telling me there's going to be six or seven votes in those townships for Donald Trump? I don't believe that. Antrim County is a Republican stronghold. It has been for a very long time. But then in certain precincts there, Joe Biden and other Democratic candidates had many, many, many more votes than normal. This is according to a former Michigan state lawmaker. Quote, it just looked weird. Two thirds of the townships looked really messed up. Now, you don't need to take my word for it. This isn't just some uh, conservative observer, conservative activist, a conservative politician even. This is the county clerk. County clerk saying something's really wrong here. Something stinks. We know plenty stinks in Pennsylvania. Something seems to stink in Michigan too. But speaking of Pennsylvania, consider this. This is from 538, by the way. This is Nate Silver's outfit, which I don't remember. I think the last time they predicted an election correctly was 2008 with Barack Obama. It's the whole reason 538 started. But for some reason, everyone pays attention and Nate Silver is this great genius. Nate Silver says two more batches of Pennsylvania votes were reported around 23,277 votes in Philadelphia, all for Biden all for Biden, 23,277 votes, and then 5,300 votes in Luzerne County, 4,000 of which were for Biden. So even that number, 4,000 out of 5,300, very difficult to believe, but it's extremely difficult for me to believe that 23,277 votes in Philly were all 100% for Joe Biden. I don't know that we can quite believe that. And then this brings us to North Carolina. North Carolina, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest issue of all. We got results out of Florida, which is usually a very contested uh, state, right? Florida was the reason we had the 38-day recount for Bush v. Gore. We got results out of Ohio, another contested state. That was fine, all on election night. We got results. We've gotten results now out of West Coast states, states in the middle of the country, all on election night or shortly thereafter. But North Carolina, polls closed very early there, East Coast state, North Carolina, Trump doing very, very well in. We don't have the numbers. NBC News is estimating that about 300,000 votes are left to be tallied. But North Carolina, first of all, why couldn't North Carolina count the votes? We don't know. But North Carolina's not even counting them anymore. North Carolina did not count those ballots yesterday. They just stopped. North Carolina says, that they will not give us a number until November 12th. November 12th, what day is it today? The 5th? What's taking so long, North Carolina? What are you all doing? You might suggest that one of the reasons that North Carolina's data, why why their numbers aren't going to come in until so late, is because if Joe Biden gets into trouble, it would certainly help Joe Biden to win North Carolina. I don't know. I'm not proposing that. What I do know is ballot box stuffing is an undeniable American tradition and specifically an undeniable democratic party tradition. There is nothing conspiratorial. Well, there is something conspiratorial about that. It's a conspiracy to do it, but it's happened for a long time in this country. The other thing is that it's not just one irregularity or two irregularities. I want to make sure that I don't sound like Democrats in 2016 when I'm raising questions about some of these numbers. Democrats in 2016 said, this is an illegitimate election. I said, why is that? They said, because Russia. I said, what, what did Russia do? They, I don't know, they did something. Okay. We had an investigation into that, by the way. Russia bought $100,000 worth of Facebook ads. So, some of which were for Democrats, by the way. So that claim was ridiculous. But here, we've got a lot of questions shutting down the counting, delaying the counting until November 3rd in North Carolina, the multiple reports of ballot stuffing, the multiple reports of Republican poll watchers not being allowed to look at the results, the issue of Sharpies in Arizona that may raise questions over whether ballots could be counted. This was in Republican strongholds. Apparently election officials passed out Sharpies instead of pens, Sharpies. There were some questions as to whether or not they could be counted. Now Arizona saying they could be counted. Who knows? Who knows? All of these issues, and we haven't even scratched the surface, raise questions about this process to say nothing of widespread unsolicited mail-in ballots, which which are truly unprecedented in this country and rife for fraud. The reason we have poll watchers in the first place is because there is so much opportunity for fraud. And the left is not going to admit that if the numbers just keep miraculously ticking up in their favor. Very important to keep your data secure. This is true on the political level. It's true on the personal level. Okay. We have news of another cyber attack here. This time the victim is Barnes and Noble. The breach potentially exposed customer data here. Uh, This is not a very good thing. You're going to want to make sure that you don't lose your email addresses, billing, shipping addresses, telephone numbers, transaction histories. The attack also impacted Nook and ebook services. Some customers have been unable to access their Nook libraries. Their previous purchases have disappeared and others were unable to log into the firm's online platform. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like social security numbers for sale on the dark web. If they detect you're information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert. Make sure you use LifeLock. Okay. I know it seems like this kind of idea that, listen, nobody's coming for my dad and nobody's coming for my stuff. They are, they are. And a little bit of prevention is worth a pound of cure. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S for 25% off. The good news is President Trump is filing lawsuits in basically all of these states. The Trump campaign filed lawsuits in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia, laying the groundwork for contesting battleground states as he started to fall behind Joe Biden. Because you'll notice if you look at the the electoral count, somehow Joe Biden's numbers just keep going up and we don't know why. And it's all away from the public light. When we were all watching the election on election night, when there were all those eyeballs there, Trump was winning. But then when people started to look away and the system took over again, somehow Joe Biden started doing much, much better. Uh, These new filings join existing Republican legal challenges in Pennsylvania and Nevada. They demand better access for campaign observers uh, to where the ballots are being processed and counted, where the absentee ballots are being counted. What does President Trump have to do here? President Trump needs to make sure not just that all the votes are counted. President Trump needs to make sure that all of the votes are verified, Okay, in that, in that election in 1948, when LBJ stole the Senate seat, they found 202 ballots that were illegitimate. They were all written in the same pen. They were all written in the same handwriting. And the people who allegedly had voted said they never voted that day. We're getting some, this is just anecdotal, but we're hearing from some people in Wisconsin who called to find out if their votes have been counted. They said they haven't been counted yet. It's pretty strange. These are just Republicans I'm talking to. It might be a selection bias or it might not be a selection bias. By the way, they called Arizona on election night for Biden. Uh, actually, when I say they, I should be more specific. Fox News called Arizona on election night for Joe Biden. This was very very early and no one else had done it. And it was very strange because Fox News is supposed to be the conservative cable outlet. So you think you would think okay, if, if someone's going to call it for Biden that early, it's going to be MSNBC or CNN, but it wasn't. Now we're finding out, whoopsie daisy, actually there were many fewer votes that had come in in Arizona than we were told on election night. Actually, Arizona may still be up for grabs. There's a data firm in Arizona right now, Data Orbital, which is saying that uh, President Trump is on track to win in Arizona, which backs up claims by the Trump campaign that actually this is far from over. The decision to call Arizona on election night was perplexing to a lot of people because it really set Trump back in terms of the media narrative. And there, there seemed to be no reason for it. It looked like a preposterous and irresponsible call. Why was it, I mean, you actually had hosts and correspondents from that network openly criticizing it on air, saying, what is going on, guys? What are you doing? I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to speculate on what's going on over there. But this is a major issue. If you've got even the, the ostensibly right-wing cable network, now doing more work for the left wing groups than even the left wing, left wing networks. You've got protests right now outside of the Maricopa County elections office in Arizona and the protesters are extraordinarily angry about the state being called. A lot of people uh, in the crowd are, are, are not wearing masks. We're, we're keeping a, a respectful distance, um, but a loud and very boisterous crowd. You'll start hearing them uh, start up here. Chanting Fox News sucks. Fox News sucks. The reason why they're chanting that is because Fox News called Arizona uh, for Biden yesterday, and a lot of people are angry about that. We have not called uh, Arizona.
1: Uh, a lot of
0: other. So MSNBC obviously very gleeful to be announcing that they're they're chanting against their competitor. Although I guess Fox really isn't a competitor to NBC or MSNBC. They're completely different audiences. What's interesting though, at the top of that clip is he walks out and he says, they're not wearing masks. They're not social distancing. Like now, now protests are bad. Is that right? After eight months of BLM and Antifa burning the country down and protesting for whatever cause they want to protest, usually on false evidence. Now protests are bad that we're talking about our election. I think, I think those protests are pretty justified, but people are very, very upset about this. And, And what's, what seems to be happening is what the left I would say predicted, but I think really promised is a better word. The left promised us that Trump was going to win the election on election day, but then they were going to somehow come out winning the vote later on. They were going to call it, they called it a red mirage. The mirage is all the people are going to vote for you and you're going to see it with your own eyes. But then don't worry, later on, we're going to win. They all seem so confident. Don't you worry, we're going to win. Here is MSNBC's Joy Reid discussing how the red mirage turns out.
1: And I think partly because even though we knew the red wave was a thing and then it, the red mirage, I should say the red mirage, we all knew it was coming. But when you're right in the moment, it is, it's enervating. Mm. It's, it's aggravating. Mm-hmm. And I think partly, and I, I said this last night, I do think it's because we've been reporting for five years, Rachel, about. Russia, about national security, you know, just just undermining our national security, you know, the impeachment, um, the racism, the Nazis, all of it and then COVID laying on top of it felt like a repudiation was coming. And I think even though we intellectually understand what America is at its base, right, that there is a great amount of racism, anti-blackness, anti-wokeness, this idea that political correctness is some sort of scheme to destroy white America, right? Like we know what this country is, but you still, part of you, I think part of your your heart says, you know what, maybe the country is going to pay, pay
0: off all of this pain. The the children were stolen with a repudiation. So you hear, first of all, how much the left despises this country. Just the way they speak. We know what this country is. We know what it is. It's awful. And you know what they've got to do? They've got to vote for Democrats to pay off the pain and injustice of this country. Lady, give me a break. It's the greatest country on earth. This woman is spouting her stupid nonsense on TV. She's extremely wealthy. She's treated extremely well. She's treated better by the law than people, basically any country on earth. Give me a break, lady. But this is what they think. The left hates the country. I don't know how else to put it. I know it sounds extreme, but she just said it. You heard it with her own ears. She goes, this country, they've got to pay off all the pain and the damage and the injustice they've caused. No, no, the country doesn't have to pay off anything, lady. It's the best country on earth. Get over yourself. I'm I'm sorry that you're upset about some imaginary problem while you pontificate on television and count your stacks of money, but, and, and, and feel safe in your personhood and your property and in your political liberties. I'm sorry that you're, that upsets you. Where, where else would you like to go? What's what country is better off? Give me a break. But they don't like the country. And you heard at the top, you heard at the top, she says, we have a red mirage. We knew it was going to come. The red mirage had to come. And then the red mirage is coming. I think she believes this. I think this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I think this is an article of faith for the left. You always hear the left talking about how we have to defend democracy, but it's ironic because the Democrats are the people who most undermine democracy. You saw this in 2016. Maybe, who knows, maybe you're seeing it now, but you certainly saw it in 2016. The people like Donald Trump, and then they tried to not even make that a possibility because the deep state was spying on the Trump campaign, but then Trump gets elected and they try to have a coup d'etat for three and a half years. Now, how is this possible? Why, how are the Democrats in the name of democracy undermining democracy? Because for the Democrats in their world, it is only legitimate to elect Democrats. That's the only, that that is the only way an election can be legitimate. And it is actually, it is actually worth it to steal an election like they tried to do in 2016. And who knows what's going on now? It is worth it. But we, we know for a fact that they tried to do it in 2016. It is worth it to try to steal an election in the name of democracy a stolen election that elects democrats is more legitimately democratic for democrats than a legitimate election that elects republicans how's that for a tongue twister but that's how they think about this and and what's so crazy to me about the whole thing she's talking about the racism of trump the 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 russians and the nazis and all this the 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 idea that there are kgb agents and nazis running around america right now is preposterous, right? I mean, that's a pure fantasy. The idea that Donald Trump is a racist, preposterous, pure fantasy. But this, she says, this is what we know about the country. That's, that's, uh, but now we're seeing, now Joe Biden hopefully will be elected. That's what we, that's what we want to see. And of course, those might be flipped in terms of their fantasies and their reality. The really sad thing about it though is, is this whole experience reminded me, getting back to the protests in Arizona, there is no conservative outlet in the legacy media. There is no conservative institution in the political establishment. There's not one in the whole country. And there were some that I I certainly thought were conservative. Uh, I used to think were conservative in, I don't know, in the established higher education, in the established even technology, some places, in corporate America, in and of course in the, the legacy news media. I thought, okay, there's one, one or two. No, there's not. There are court jesters in the kingdom of liberalism. There are some conservative institutions that sort of pretend, they, they pretend to be conservative institutions, but then when push comes to shove and when the leftist hegemony is threatened, they fold, they fold up, and they play their part, and they, they act the fool, and they in, in many ways legitimize the reigning left-wing regime, the liberal regime, by pretending that there's some disagreement here, but there's not. And what President Trump did was he offered and and continues to offer, I hope, a legitimate alternative to that. You had essentially one political party in recent decades until Trump. You had a party that basically agreed on foreign policy. Obama's foreign policy was not very much different than George Bush's foreign policy. They basically agreed on global trade, Obama's foreign policy was not really different than Bush's foreign policy or McCain's or Romney's. They basically agree on immigration. Obama's immigration policy was not very different than McCain's or Romney's or George Bush's or Bush the first for that matter. They all agreed on these big questions. And then on certain cultural issues, they kind of, the conservatives would kind of pretend to disagree, but then they'd just roll over. That's why we've lost all of those issues over the years. There was basically one party, and then Trump comes in, and everyone just focuses on his personality, but what really distinguishes Trump are the issues. He opposed their liberal global trade regime. He opposed their liberal open borders immigration regime. He opposed their liberal administrative state, deep state, bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it, governing regime. Just those three things would be enough such that the system cannot permit him to get elected again and perhaps the system won't. Who knows? Who knows? There will be legal challenges to this. Maybe Joe Biden won the election outright. Maybe. I guess in that way, the result could be a legitimate result. But what we do know for sure is that this process has been far from it. This process has had so many irregularities, just the unprecedented, unsolicited, widespread mail-in ballots alone are enough to raise questions. But then you find out poll workers, poll watchers not allowed in, numbers getting corrected sometimes when people catch it. The process itself raises a lot, a lot of questions. Raises my hair, makes it stand on end. Luckily I have hair though. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left prevention is key. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results. So it is important to act fast. The sooner you start using keeps, the more hair you will save. Find out why keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and more than 100,000 men trust keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. You know that I'm not a hulking Adonis necessarily of a man, but I always did well in the lady department. I have always chalked that up to my hair. Make sure that you get to keep the hair that you have. It's a very small investment for a very big payoff. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Knowles to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Things have never been crazier over here, folks. Make sure that you subscribe to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Uh, Make sure you head on over, subscribe to Daily Wire. We'll be right back with the mailbag. All right. My first question from Patrick. Dear Michael, with people voting a month or two months ahead, how many of them will die before the election? It's an interesting question. Will their votes be considered legal votes by dead people? Will these votes be disqualified, or will they automatically be switched to Democrat? Well, it is true that Democrats lost a lot among the black vote. They lost a lot among the Hispanic vote. They lost they lost a lot among key demographics for them. But they've always held firm on the dead vote. Dead people vote for Democrats 100 percent of the time. You know, we've raised some questions about how. The, uh, the vote will turn out, you know, among these, these numbers that come in hundred percent for Biden, you know, 99% for Biden, even Saddam Hussein had the common decency to lower his election returns to 97% or something. But the one group that always votes hundred percent for Democrats are dead people. This, this does raise a real question though, that the fact that we had such early voting, the fact that, that on Google, one of the top trends after the second debate was how can I change my vote? or at least a, a surging trend on Google, was how can I change my vote? This, this shows you the weakness of early voting. I mean, there, there's the fraud issue, but there's also just a, a basic issue that the election campaigns are geared toward a specific date. That's election day. And new information comes out until then, and you should not vote. Uh, uh, the people should not vote until all of that information has come out. Now, if you live in a system that has early voting, I guess you can take advantage of it. You you don't want to unilaterally disarm, but as a rule, it's, it's very bad and it does favor Democrats. From Christina. Hello, Michael. During this election, I took notice of the counties within each state. I noticed that states that went blue look more red than blue when viewed by county. For example, Virginia and New York. I understand that large cities such as DC and New York have a role in why they turn blue. I can imagine it is frustrating for those living outside the cities to have their voices be drowned out by the city folk. My question is, would states ever use an electoral college? God bless. I've lived in New York. I've worked in politics in New York. New York is split 50-50 between the uh, Democrats and Republicans, sort of, but but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's skewed a little bit, I guess, in, in the direction of Democrats. But the state itself is split with Upstate New York, which geographically takes up, I don't know, 95% of New York, and the city. Then you have Long Island too, but the the city is very, very tiny on the map, and yet you've got, what, 12 million voters there, more even at this point? So that's the, the way the place breaks up. I suppose that's fair because You know, you don't give votes to mountains and trees. You give votes to people, and there are just fewer people upstate, even though the space is much, much larger. But there is a big cultural difference here between the city and the country. That tension has always existed. Cities have always been more liberal. The country has always been more conservative. I don't see any world in which there would be a mechanism to give greater power to the country folk, because the thing is that the places are dominated by the cities. So the city people are never going to give up their power. So I think that'll fall apart as it is. Uh, but it it does raise a lot of questions. Does somebody in upstate New York have more in common with Manhattan or with Pennsylvania? Uh, Obviously Pennsylvania, no question about that. So I don't know. uh, You're seeing a balkanization of the country. You're seeing people in blue states move to red states. We're about to do that at the daily wire, uh, tomorrow or something like later this week. Um, but you, you may see that in the, in the, various states within the states as well, which is there is an ex urbanization. There had been years and years and years of urbanization. Now people are leaving and they're leaving because there's nothing to do in the cities anymore. I love New York. It's my favorite city in the world. You couldn't pay me to live in New York right now because the whole point of New York is you live in tiny little squalor. You pay thousands of dollars a month to live in a shoebox and every day is garbage day and there's rats everywhere, but there's all this fun stuff. Great restaurants, great bars, great clubs, great everything, right? So you, you put up with it. Well, during the lockdowns, all those fun things closed. In New York, you live in a shoebox because the whole city is your living room, but it's not during COVID. So uh, that exacerbated that right now they're suspecting that most restaurants in New York will go out of business. Very sad. New York institutions, the Roosevelt Hotel just announced this, one of the real landmarks going out of business. They're out. Um, so, I mean, it's heartbreaking to see it. So you couldn't pay me to live there. And, and it's true even for people who love those cities, you know, and, and still live there. They're moving out. That might spread out the vote a little bit more. From Sam. Hey, Michael, since you're a devout Catholic, I should pause here. I always prefer the term practicing Catholic because I'm going to keep on practicing until I get it right. You know, the term devout, uh, I don't know. It seems like you're, uh, seems prideful to use that term, but I appreciate the Mention, nonetheless, you're a devout Catholic. I need your opinion on this. I'm Mormon. I'm dating a Catholic girl. And both of us are very serious about our own religious beliefs. We're getting serious about our relationship and talking about marriage. What do we do? We don't want to end our relationship. But most importantly, we don't want to stop the current relationship we separately have with God in our own religions. Could we make it work since we are both Christian? We are especially worried about what we would teach our kids if we were married. Thank you for having the best show on The Daily Wire. Thank you very much. Appreciate the question. I've got bad news for you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is, you cannot get married in, in, if you are a Catholic, if you do not agree to raise the kids Catholic, it is, you, you won't be permitted to do it. You could get an interfaith dispensation from the bishop to marry outside of the Catholic faith, but only if you agree to raise the children Catholic. Uh, So just as a practical matter, unless your wife wants to give up her Catholic faith, she cannot marry you unless you raise the kid's Catholic. Now, if you raise the kid's Catholic, uh, th- that would raise the next question of, well, why, maybe you should just be Catholic too. <laughs> you know, the whole family is going to be Catholic. Uh, be- because it would be very difficult for you to be the head of your household, which presumably you will be, to lead your family if your entire family practices a different faith than you do. There's also, regarding the incompatibility of the religions, uh, I mean, I guess every, every religion is incompatible with every other religion in the sense that they're all different, but but in particular, there's a difference with Mormonism because uh, the Catholic Church is Trinitarian, which which means that that we believe that God is three distinct persons in one divine unity, and the Mormon Church is not Trinitarian, so they believe that that God the Father and the Son—I mean, you know better than I do, but God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit are separate— beings. And I know that seems like a subtle distinction, but it has huge uh, theological implications. The The Trinity is the central mystery of Christianity. And, and so if you're Unitarian or an Aryan or uh, Mormon or, or, or Muslim, for that matter, Islam would have similar kinds of issues, uh, then th- those two will not be able to mesh. Now, I would say don't necessarily give up uh, when I, when my wife and I started dating, we had very different views, not just from one another but different views even from what we currently have <laughs> now people grow either they grow together or they grow apart so if if you're open to it, I would explore the Catholic faith and see if it's right for you <laughs> you know and uh and i I suspect your your girlfriend has explored Mormonism, maybe not uh you know you know my feeling on uh, on this, you know where I stand and which one I think is true. Uh, But uh, you you might want to consider that and then uh, you might, you might be surprised. You might find that you're convinced by some of those arguments. If not, I I tell you, I I have great respect for you both that you take your faith so seriously that you would prioritize it even over your romantic life. That's very difficult. Um, And I I think it's wise. If you are to take your faith seriously, then it, it, it won't work. You can't you can't do those those things separately forever. It, it will cause huge problems. And and more likely, what would happen is you will come together into a to a single or similar faith. But it, that faith might not be Mormonism or Catholicism. It might just be a kind of liberal secularism where you know you you don't take religion very seriously. And, and that would be a choice as well. And I don't know that that would be a great choice. Uh, you're you're in a tough position, but excellent that you, you both have the integrity to look the problem head on so that you don't have more problems down the road. From Mike to the excellent Michael Knowles, I went to a Halloween party this weekend and had a fantastic pun costume, picture attached. And he is wearing a a gift box and it says two women from God. (laughs) It's a great costume. It was a huge hit at the party as we were obviously among those people with common sense and a great sense of humor. Then on Monday, I saw an email at work requesting that we share our Halloween costumes for the office costume contest. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Then I got an email a couple hours later. Due to the current social climate, we can't allow the gift costume to enter as is. He's free to blur out the tag and resubmit. The current social climate, what do you mean the current social climate? You mean political correctness, which very few people actually like, but unfortunately, political correctness runs corporate boardrooms, HR, the university, and government. So because of that, you're not allowed to have a very basic costume. What do you think is wrong with the costume of anything? Why must the left destroy all that is fun and clever? Feel free to share. Yours truly from a fellow paisano. Yeah, Obviously, nothing's wrong with the costume. It's very funny. It's actually tongue in cheek, right? I mean, the, the idea that you are God's gift to women. You're not, it's not, you're not making an earnest statement. It's a self-effacing joke, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. The, the reason for this is that uh, p- political correctness, uh, people get it wrong a lot. Political correctness, some people think is uh, a spe- just a speech code. If it's a speech code, it's politically correct, but that's not true. Everyone has speech codes. Every society in all of human history has had speech codes. Conservatives have speech codes too. That's not the issue. Some people say political correctness is euphemism. It's using, you know, kind of soft words to paper over difficult truths. Political correctness includes euphemism, but we all use euphemism. When we refer to uh, a woman of a certain age instead of an old hag We're using euphemism, and there are perfectly legitimate uses for euphemism. Political correctness is a totalizing left wing standard to overturn the old standards. It is is a, a negative standard, like you'd call it an anti standard standard. It's a way to say, okay, here are all the traditional opinions and prejudices. And I use that term neutrally, not in the sense of bigoted. And here are all the traditional mores and rituals that we have in society. And political correctness comes in and says, we're going to reverse all of them. So traditionally in society, men and women are considered different and complementary. So political correctness comes in and says, no, no, men and women are exactly the same. They're identical. And this is a, a, an article of faith for the politically correct. And that's the specific issue that you're having with your costumes. What you're saying is men and women are different. We approach life differently. We approach sex differently. We approach the, the other sex differently. And, uh, that is not allowed. You're not, you're not allowed to mention those differences between men and women. And that's just the way it is. We're living in a politically correct regime. We thought that we were living in a relatively right of center, conservative democracy. We're not, we're living in a liberal technocracy and, uh, And we will submit, we will have to submit. That is the lesson from the election. Let's try to take one more question before we go, because I know there are a lot of questions coming in. From Sarah, I have a serious question. The media have repeated over and over again, how great it would be to have a female president. Do you think it would be a net benefit to have the next president be female? Thanks. Well, if the next president is Kamala Harris, then certainly not, Uh, that would be very, very negative. But then broadly, do you think it would be good for the country? Do you think it would be a positive for the country? if we were to elect a woman president next? No, of course not. Why, what would the positive thing be? What, what specifically about being a woman is so much better than, than being a man that it would be positive to make any woman president right now? What would, what would that be? I can't think of anything. The left believes that there would be something positive because they view the past as oppressive. We don't view the past as oppressive. Conservatives view the past as the past, you know, and Some periods are good, some periods are less good. The present right now might not be all it's cracked up to be, might be better than other periods though in the future, who knows how it's going to turn out. And there is wisdom that we can gain from the past and we can conserve the good, the objective good, through those traditions. That's a wonderful thing to do. But the past itself is not, but what the left does, they look at the past and they say, okay, past empowered men, men are oppressive and awful and white people are oppressive and awful. And so anything That is not male and not white has to be good, has to be better than what we've got. But I don't think that's true. Maybe, maybe some woman would be better than some man. Could be. But I I don't know. You got to show me the woman. I don't, I don't see who that woman would be. And it sure ain't Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris may be our next vice president, which means more than likely she could be our next president. A lot of people are giving up already. I'm not willing to give up. I don't think that this process has been above board. And I don't think the Trump campaign thinks this process has been above board. And I think most Republicans would have rolled over right now and given it all up. And fortunately, Trump hasn't done that. And I would strongly encourage the Trump campaign not to give up. Fight this thing tooth and nail. This is a travesty what's going on. It's an embarrassment to the country what leftists are doing right now. That the greatest democracy in the world can't even conduct its own election because of shenanigans involving mail-in ballots and delayed poll numbers. That's disgusting. They should be very ashamed of it, and we shouldn't let them get away with it. No matter how the final count turns out, we cannot let them get away with what they're doing right now. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Keep the faith. I'll see you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. And Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
1: If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.